In Chicago, you know that all sports rock. The Bears, Hawks, Bulls, Cubs, and Sox. Pick your favorite, you can choose. As long as the Packers lose. For everything you need to know, it's Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bill. Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. This is your hosts, Alex and Sean. On this episode, we have a whole lot of Chicago Bears talk that we want to get to. We'll probably talk some baseball and some basketball, some hockey, but really, there's going to be a lot of angry football talk. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, the Rockford Ice Hogs. If you're not familiar with the Rockford Ice Hogs, they're the AHL minor league affiliate of the Chicago Blackhawks. What does that mean for you? You get to see the stars of tomorrow today at family-friendly, affordable prices. Season's going on right now, so head on over to icehogs.com. Just have a hat, shirt, jersey, tickets, and more. Tell them Swirsky Sports sent you. Data process. How you feeling? Um, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to feel on what we should do to go forward. I mean, there are certain things I I think that we should be doing, but I just, every year, every year, we've been in the playoffs twice since 2011. It's 2024. I We haven't won a playoff game since January 2011 against a sub-500 Seahawks team. And we knew going into the season that we weren't built to win a Super Bowl. But here we are, end of the year. Your rivals have owned you and are laughing at you, and you are the nail to the hammer yet again. You don't look close to what your rivals are doing. You were outcoached. You were outmuscled. You were outplayed in pretty much every way possible yet again. And the Packers have a great coach who's going to be there for a long time, have a young roster, have a lot of draft picks. And I, how do we how do we overcome this? I mean, we're sitting here with a Bears team that, okay, they went from three wins to seven wins. Yeah, on paper, that's an improvement, but you lost three historic games. You got owned by your rivals twice. Again, you know, goes for pretty much every year. And we don't know who our quarterback's going to be. We don't know who our coach is going to be right now. As of right now, we're recording. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, something has happened or something is not. But... I, I, I just, I don't know. And how many coaching regimes and quarterbacks and false hope can we get? I mean, listen, they weren't making the playoffs no matter what in the final week of the season. But if you could have said, you know what, we can go into Green Bay and spoil their party or at least battle them to the very end. Because let's be real. Let's be real. 17-9. to 9, that score was closer than the game actually was, right? Absolutely. You were severely outplayed, right? Yeah. 
We're not even close to them yet. You know, okay. You had a signature win against the Lions. Great. Justin Fields did some pretty good things against a pretty good Atlanta defense. Okay. Well, you know what? Their quarterback is Tyler Haneke. He stinks. You beat the, the Cardinals. They stink. You beat the Commanders. They stink. You beat the Raiders when they were under Josh McDaniels with Brian Hoyer as their quarterback. You could have won that with the preseason roster. I just, are we going to continue to settle for mediocrity? Because that's what I'm afraid of. And my hope, my question, has this team, has this organization truly evolved? Has the hiring of Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles truly brought us into the future? Or is it going to be triumphed by the ding-dong McCaskies and their old mom-and-pop style way of running things? I Right now, before we have any answers, I don't know. I don't know. I, I want to start off by saying, listen to what the players are saying either directly or read between the lines. They think the coaching stinks. Remember well, when Justin the- Fields made the comment in preseason that he had to retract? Yeah. Well, preseason, they said it the regular season he had to. And, and, but you have multiple players, not just Getze, but also Eberflus. They, Whenever the Bears blow a lead with that defense, if you notice, the players are pissed, not at themselves. I mean, to some degree themselves, but they're pissed because they, uh, they, the, the play calling is very soft. A lot of soft coverages. They want to attack. Look at the Green Bay game. You have them pinned at the two-yard line. What do you do? You play soft coverage, and they just pick you apart. And I'm not ready to concede that Jordan Love is some great quarterback because he has he has laid so many stinky eggs this year. It's he is the product of a really good system and a good play calling coach. You cannot tell me that if you switched quarterbacks on these teams, that Justin Fields wouldn't be elite and Jordan Love Jordan Love would be a dirt sandwich. The 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 fact that this these coaches are so passive they don't learn from their mistakes they don't own up to anything they still have yet to talk about anything that they've done wrong this is a losing team they won three games last year and they won seven games this year they've won 10 games in two years and not once have you heard the coaching staff go we need to be better matt Nagy sucked but he talked about why he needed to be better he yeah is this coaching staff has no accountability. They need to be gone. Period. Do you, do you remember the comments made after the Browns game alluding to weren't they dropping Jones in coverage? Yeah. Do you remember that play that, that basically won the game for the Browns? Yep. yep. And the players hate that. The players hate that. They do it. They hate it. And you can't. You're right. That you can't, you cannot bring this coaching staff back. If you do, that either means that uh, our GM and president of football operations are okay 
with being sub-mediocre, not just mediocre, sub-mediocre, cannot compete with the adult teams in this league, or stupid McCaskey can't get out of the way. There's no way a legitimate, well-run team is bringing back this coaching staff. Teams have already made their firings. Not saying that it won't happen for the Bears, but... Uh... It has not yet. It has not yet. Uh, the the Panthers and the Raiders did it midseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington has done it. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars have released their whole defensive squad. The Giants defensive coordinator resigned slash got fired. Um, and it sounds like the bills are going to, I mean, the, uh, the Patriots are going to make a change. Um, and the bears are just going to sit there and have done nothing. And I guarantee there's still time, but they have not done anything yet. And you see is two teams this year. were really struggling offensively fired their offensive coordinator during the season and things got better. And that would be the Steelers and the Bills. One is is one of the best run franchises in the NFL and the other one is is a Super Bowl contender. But you have the Bears are we're just going to stick with Lugetzi. Is he's so stubborn in what he did and it drives me nuts and I really want to run to the score and throw everybody in a hammer lock because they, everything is about fields because that's their knee jerk reaction. Oh, they lost a game fields up, oh, lost a game fields is, did you watch the play calling? What was Justin Fields in his 15 passes supposed to do? I mean, the, all these routes were 10 plus yard routes before a receiver turned his head there were guys, they were running bunch formations into, into a zone. Like, what are they doing? There was only one hot route. They only rolled Justin Fields out like one, what, once? I, I will, I, their refusal to roll him out is mind blowing. And listen, you don't have to do it every time. If you're worried about him getting killed, you don't have to do it crazy often, but you know, that's a strength of his and they just refuse to do it. If they don't care about him getting hurt because they keep running that designed run and that's when he's getting yeah, hit. Right. And the fact, the fact that Matt Eberflus is not out there wringing refs necks should have been a reason to fire him. Just, do you know how many, do you know how many uh, late hit penalties that the quarterback that by far and away leads the NFL in rushing? Do you know how many late hit penalties he's gotten this year? Zero. 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 That's incredible. Zero. He got hit so hard late after he was in the middle of the slide. And you have Dean Blandino, who if I ever see him, I'm punching him in his stupid face too. Is Dean Blandino is like, well, you know, I mean, he's he's just started his slide. No, the rule is when you give yourself up, you cannot be hit. Any other quarterback is getting that call. Every quarterback is getting that call except Justin Fields is I don't care if they didn't hit him in the head. They hit him after he was already in his slide and hit him so hard that his head ricocheted off the ground. 
you can't tell me the league is okay or wants to be protective of these players and allow that to happen. And, and the fact that Matt Eberflus is not out there, coach Sean would have been out there throwing punches at players, at opposing fans, at the refs, Roger Goodell better watch his ass. I'm throwing haymakers protecting my quarterback. And you know, here, here are two points I want to make about that. One as much as we do shit on Matt Nagy, I I bet he would not have just sat there. No, he would not have. And I don't want to say, sound like, oh, Matt, we miss him. No, but there's sometimes you can recognize when somebody that was bad at their job did something right. Right, exactly. Here's the other thing. And this was brought up on uh, Cap and Jay Hood this morning. I was listening on my car ride in and they made a really good comparison. The other night... The star of Chicago, young Connor Bedard, had his jaw broken, fractured uh, in that game against the Devils. What happened the very next shift? Nick Foligno dropped the gloves. Yep. They they that team stood up for that for their guy right away. And you listen, we hear how much the team loves Justin Fields. But when that happens. Where's the passion in the fire? I know it sounds like a meatball old school thing to say, but truly, you're in the last game of the season. You Co- don't coach Sean would have he would have sent Kari Blossom game out to lay out Simone Biles to send a message. Yeah, I just I, I mean, and again, would it have done any good for you in the win column? No, but to just but to let that happen, just weak. And not only was it weak, did you hear his comments, uh, Matt Eberflus's comments about it after the game? No, I didn't. He commended the NFL on their process. What? Oh, jeez. I, you know, I, I just, it's, it's mind boggling. So you have a weak, ineffective coaching staff that has not been fired yet. They have not been fired. And players notice that. The players notice that. And you know, you use the word weak. How about how about uh, Luke Getze taking the ball completely out of his QB's hands and playing conservative? When what I I, I don't. It's the second pressure is applied, they get scared, and they play scared against Green Bay from start to finish. They, it's it's no wonder why the Bears lose them every year. They're outcoached and outmanned, and Green Bay's got the guts, and the Bears never do. They, I mean, the marketing team has plenty of guts, posting all the hokey rah rah shit we have to hear every year. But the but the actual coaching staff doesn't have those gajones. Yeah, I I it's mind boggling, and you know I get it. Is the you know you can run on Green Bay. But you know what? They ran almost exclusively out of the shotgun. Right. You're the Chicago Bears playing in January in Lambeau Field. Run it. You've got a fullback. Run it from the eye. I don't get it. And what was the play where... Fields got sacked. Who do they have in their blocking that just was a turnstile on the one uh, play? The uh, the our punt returner. Yeah, uh, we had a hundred and seventy five pound wide receiver blocking one of the elite 
uh, defensive lineman in the NFL. What do you, and, I mean, what are and you it, thinking? And it, it goes back to my point is, you know, not everything that Luke Getze does is dumb, but the personnel, when it's not dumb, half the time, the personnel that he puts in is dumb. And that's dumb. If you're at least going to have a receiver block, why Tanya or at least Equinemius St. Brown? Who's good at blocking. You know who's not good at blocking? Darnell Mooney. Remember when Darnell Mooney was there in that crucial block that ended up being a loss? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I just understand it. And I don't understand what this evaluation is because they go and they go talk to the players. The players have got to be like, yeah, this coaching staff sucks monkey butt. And then they're like, you know what? We watched the film. This and... And the emphasis was the final game of the season is maybe, maybe because of recency bias, you're like, Oh, well, you know, they're playing better and blah, 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 blah. And, and, and then you watch that last game and uh, I don't know if you're watching the national championship game. I'm, I'm a big Michigan guy. And I, I was hopeful that the Michigan Wolverines would be able to establish a run. And the fact that they have like two 40 plus yard touchdown runs, is amazing because if, if this is how the game is going to go, poof, Washington, the clock. Yeah. Washington's in trouble. Um, but I, I, it's, it's just mind boggling is what, what is the evaluation process? Like you saw, you saw the, the whole body of work and you had it emphasized with the last game. You had the opportunity to go, you know what? We really pooped the bed that first game of the season. We were not prepared as a team. We were not prepared to play this opponent. And we uh, we are going to change things. And they didn't. They didn't change anything. Didn't change anything. No. And let's be real. The biggest difference in the game outside coaching was you lost that trench battle badly on both it's, sides of the ball yeah absolutely you did and and the thing is is if you lose to the green bay packers because their players are better like you know what couldn't stop the run because their offensive line you know uh if you know if, if you lose because they are able to pick up five yards of carry but you're making your tackles and they're not breaking tackles and you're competitive on things but you know, they're just, you could tell when you're just outclassed. I, I get it. You know, that sucks and I don't want to see it, but I get it because we are in a rebuild. We last year was the teardown year. This is the first year of us building up. So I, I get it if they outplay you, but they outcoached you and, mm-hmm. and outplayed you. And that can't happen. They can't happen. No, it, not, not to the way it was. And I mean, you know, there's a ceiling, I think, with this current regime. And the ceiling is kind of where it is right now. Because listen, you could have won three more games and you lost them in historic fashion. And you were a few first downs away from having a few more games. But you know what? Good, good better teams, better regimes don't lose those games. They at least don't lose all three. Maybe you lose one because that's the NFL and that happens. But 
to lose that three times, you shouldn't sell your ceiling short. And I'm going to ask the question that other people have been asking on the radio, in media, and these are legitimate questions from like 6-7 to the score, is what really is the standard here? Is our standard continuing to be, well, you know, we compete, we play tough, blah, blah, blah. blah. The standard should be win, you idiots. Win. I don't care about Ditka and 85 and tradition and this and that. I don't care about this team's identity over the past 100 years in George Hallis. Just be winners. Let me ask you Win games. What was the number one thing going into the season that as an organization was the th- the number one exclamation point thing you had to do as an organization this season? Evaluate the quarterback? Evaluate the quarterback. What did they do to evaluate this quarterback? Well, we evaluated him behind a makeshift offensive line that was hurt most of the season and playing, putting a a round peg in a square hole. Like I, I don't understand. I don't understand. That was your job. That's what you were supposed to do. And you didn't do it. He told you what was wrong. And instead of listening to him, you chastise him publicly. You never learned you were so stubborn in what you do and how you do it you did not take into account that your that was not your job your job was to develop this quarterback and see what you had and we don't know still i still believe justin fields is a dude i don't know what his ceiling is but i think I still think he's a top 12, 10, 12 quarterback in this league. And you've, you can win with way worse quarterbacks, but you need to build around him is if you don't do what your quarterback does best, what's the point? You know, it's the same thing is if I had Tom Brady and I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to run an option offense. Because that would be stupid. You'd be like, you know what? This quarter, this Tom Brady guy stinks. He can't run an option worth the save of money. I run a wishbone offense, and it, is, it has been successful in this NFL. And he's not good. Like, like what? Oh my god! What? Michigan with another forty-plus yard run. Oh jeez! So this could be a blowout. That's what it's seeming like. Hopefully I'm a Michigan guy. I want this to be undisputed. Um, but I, why, if you can't, there's no player in the NFL that is system proof. There are players that will do you know, a quarterback. There's just, there's just not a perfect quarterback for every system out there. You have to build. And if you can't, if you can't come in here, even after that first season, you know, if you can't go that whole entire off season, essentially the second week of January, all the way through July, if you can't sit down and design play for your quarterback to be successful, you're terrible at your job. And Luke Getzey is terrible. You heard them on the broadcast be like, I, I don't know what he's doing. And you have Greg Gabriel 
on Twitter going, this, this guy's a disaster. Brian Baldinger on was breaking it down. And he's like, I don't know what this guy's doing. And you're showing place. Like they're breaking it down. Like, look at this. What, what is he doing? What is he trying to accomplish? You have people with all 22 going, you know, there's literally a guy with his arms draped around Justin Fields. And you're like, well, he's not getting the ball fast enough. And they 22, not a single wide receiver has finished running his route and who is he throwing it to? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, I can't, I cannot begin to start an indictment on the quarterback until you address the play caller and the offensive scheme that you're running. Like they I mean, don't it, get open. It's they, they don't they don't know how to how to run uh, plays properly. Like I, it's everything is a disaster. I mean, the coaching is absolutely disaster. It, it truly is. Um, you know, I don't, I don't dislike Justin Fields. Um, I do think though, there are times when he himself just flat out hasn't been good enough. Um, but I do think that he has been hampered by this team. And I think if you do put him in an elite, uh, in an elite system with an elite team around him, he could succeed. I, I do. I do believe that. Because I think a lot of the kinks that he does have that are on him, they could maybe be worked out with a better coaching staff. Yeah. You just, you've worked those in. Any kinks, you've worked them in. And it's going to be harder to do. And I, I, I just, I would love, I'm at the point now is, is I've switched my mind a lot over the past few weeks of what I want to do. And I'm I'm terrified of drafting a quarterback. I'm going to be honest. I'm terrified. Oh, I, I in this draft, I I don't think there's any. I mean, Caleb Williams might have a high ceiling, but I think a possibly low floor. Yeah, I, I watch him, and you watch him against tough defenses, and you watch him without elite wide receivers, and he he's he doesn't he doesn't look good, and uh. You know, he against teams that were bad defenses or bad teams, he's lighting it up. But that's what you're supposed to do when you're playing for a big time program. I, I, I'm not sold on him. Um, I like every quarterback in here. I'm a big Michigan guy, and uh, I don't, I don't totally believe in JJ McCarthy. Oh, that is not a, that's not an experiment I'd want to I'd want to make. Um, I mean. I believe in him way more than coming out. And I, I'm going to be honest is I, I watch these quarterbacks and I've been wrong on guys. I I don't think there's been a quarterback where I've watched their tape and been like, Nope, he's not, he's not a dude and had them be successful since Ryan leaf. So it's been a long time. It's been 20 years. And that was and, a historical bust. Yes. And that guy. And I think that was, and you can't scout that it's he had all the talent. He just wasn't a, he wasn't a hard worker and he had a bad attitude. Right. And, um, but anyway, I've, I'm 
you know, I watched Josh Rosen go in the first round and I just, I remember I, I pulled up notes about it and I, I was just like, I, I can't, I can't see what an NFL scout sees in this guy. I've watched every single snap of his two for his last two years. And I can't see where, um, you know, they're coming from. I, for Patrick Mahomes, I put, this guy has all the talent in the world. I'm, my concern is that he's, uh, he's going to be too much like Brett Favre and be a gunslinger. And I, I'm concerned about the, the being somewhat of a system quarterback, but if you put him in the right system, I think this guy could be really good. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm pretty good at this and I, I don't have a sense of, I guess I have to sit down with these quarterbacks, but I don't have a sense of, there's no elite prospect for me. I see flaws with Caleb Williams that if he had come out last year, I don't think I would have seen because he had good wide receiver core last year. Michael Penix at times looks really good, but he's also playing in a spread offense with three wide receivers that are going to get drafted in the NFL high and one probably in the top 10 or 15 and, but, and he's got injury concerns and I go, okay. And, you know, you've got the, the kid from LSU. You're like, okay. Well, he uh, couldn't win the big game. And you know, there, there's just, there's a lot of, of, of flaws in these guys. And you've got a guy who's played big time college football and he's made these big plays and he's the, He's the best athlete we've ever seen at the quarterback position in 20 years. Like it, and we've got, we've got an MVP who plays like this. It, it's like, if you can't make this guy work, what makes you think that you can make a draft pick work? What makes you think you're good enough to evaluate when you in this better have the history, right coaching. Yeah, and if you think you're gonna, if you think you're gonna have Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze, and you're gonna get rid of Fields and bring in somebody, and it's gonna be successful, you can't do be, that. You are gonna, you are going to crash and burn, and that will be Ryan Poles' job. You know, from a, it's the safest thing you can do if you're Ryan Poles, is you coach or general managers. The two things that get them fired are. Uh, blowing it with the quarterback and blowing it with head coaching picks. And I think he hasn't picked a quarterback yet. And he has, I don't, and I don't think he had control over uh, There's reports now that, that McCaskey picked Eberflus and he was kind of saddled with him. Um, so you haven't really picked a coach is, and you're, you, you know, your job security, are you going to, are you going to blow both those barrels in your third season? Mm. I don't know. Mm. I I really think you trade that, get a haul, bring in some elite weapons, fix that offensive line. I, I was at the point where I was like, I don't know if you can, you know, if you upgrade over Braxton Jones, if you've got a, a, one of those stud left tackles there, Go for it, uh, you know. Kick Braxton Jones inside if you need to. It's this offensive line needs to be so much better, especially at center. I mean, the center was oh brutal. Yeah, no matter who they put in at center, 
And the one guy I was curious to actually see is they they put him on the practice squad and he got taken by another team. So yeah. And and here's one thing I really want to make clear about Caleb Williams is I'm not declaring him a bust by any means right now. I'm just saying that for the ones who think Caleb Williams, who are treating him like the savior already, uh, have you not learned your lesson here? I mean, he hasn't played a single snap in the NFL. Now listen, if the Bears get a new coaching staff and Caleb Williams is the choice, I will be behind and support and hope that he does great because that's what we need. But I'm just saying, like, oh, you know, we got to get rid of Fields. Caleb Williams is going to save us. If if he does, he does. But there's no guarantee at all behind that. I there are things about Caleb Williams that makes me nervous. You alluded to it playing the elite defenses and um, watch him run around with that ball in one hand. Yeah. So I mean, there are things that make you nervous. Maybe he goes to the NFL and he's great. We don't know. And if he goes to the Bears, I hope he's great. But I, I'm I'm just saying that there, there's no there's no easy answer here because there's no guarantee. There's even if you get a great coaching staff for Justin Fields, I think Justin Fields could put up some solid numbers. But frankly, there are some things that Justin Fields needs to be better at doing. Here and simple. I mean, I, I can't take all the blame away from Fields, but I'm not going to yeah. sit here and say, oh, Fields is a bum, he's an idiot, he sucks, blah, blah, blah. No, not at all. But, I mean, it, there are some times when there are shortcomings where I'm like, you know what, That that's just on him. There's there's just been a lot of meh in this whole era, and some of it's on the coaching, some of it's on the team, some of it's on him. I just watched... Jordan Love be able to sit in a clean pocket and throw to a wide open receiver 30 yards down the field who has room to run and there's nobody and not just one nobody, receiver, nobody around two. and you're like man I would love to see Justin Fields be able to do that and because he he doesn't even get a clean pocket he doesn't get an open wide receiver like I I, I know just, I know I just get frustrated because I don't I don't have what I need to fully evaluate Justin Fields because the uh, the 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 systems they put him in with Nagy, and Nagy didn't want him, and you saw uh, you saw what happened. In, Just like in, John Fox didn't want uh, Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky. Yeah, and then you bring in a coaching staff that doesn't want they want to force him to do things that. Without without the tools to do it, you want him to force him to do something that's not his comfort zone, and without the tools. And I I'm just gonna say this: if they bring, I I don't want it, but if they bring back Maddie Eberflus, I'm gonna swallow it, and I'm just gonna be like, okay. And I love Justin Fields, and I hope he's back. But if he's not, if they bring in a draft pick. I'm I'm not buying a jersey, but I'm going to I'm going to cheer for them. The one situation where I'm just I'm, I'm not I'm I'm just going to walk away and turn my attention to college football if they bring back Lou Getze. Yeah, that's there. There is zero excuse for that. Especially now you have when Ron Rivera got fired, they released that coaching staff. 
Who's his offensive? Uh, Eric, I, I, Eric, Eric Bieniemy. That's right. Yeah. What did Eric Bieniemy do when he was in uh, Kansas City? They won Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. He left. Matt Nagy replaced him. They've talked about how much, not just the coaching, the, the, the system is the same. The play calling is different. But most importantly, the accountability of the offensive players is not there. Mm-hmm. And you, he moves over and he couldn't get a head coaching job because everybody, Andy Reid does not have a good coaching tree. And people have assumed, well, he's he is uh, you know, a, a front at the offensive coordinator position because it's Andy Reid. So he takes the opportunity on to show what he can do without Andy Reid. He goes to Washington. Are they a good team? No. But through a good chunk of this season, Sam Howell led the league in passing. Mm-hmm. Sam Howell. So, uh, I, 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 if you have a guy that comes in here, holds players accountable and puts a system in where the quarterback can succeed. And I I don't think he's going to get a head coaching job. If you could bring him in as an offensive coordinator. All right, cool. That'd be nice. A real offensive coordinator who has had success in this league in a job that he has done. And you know who Punch else worked? You know who else worked for the Kansas City Chiefs? Ryan Poles. Uh-huh. I would love to see it. You know, he probably if he comes here and and is successful, I think then he gets the head coaching job. He's probably a one and done. So if you bring him in, you probably say, "Hey, we recognize that you're likely a one and done." Who who is a successor to you? Who is going to come in here and keep continuity and such? And you develop that guy over the year. So you have somebody to replace him. But I just, if they bring Luke Getze back and the fact that they have not fired him, that, that should have been today, this morning. Luke Getze is relieved. And maybe it's because they want through the player valuations and things first doing their but, due diligence. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know how he comes back. I just don't can't. You can't you, you, that, that is, as I've said on other shows, the ultimate deal breaker. If you bring in a legitimately good offensive coordinator and you keep Matty Berflus, still not my favorite choice, but I'd rather do that than run back the the same staff again. Far and away. You know, with with Matt Eberflus, um, you know, the defense did get better. I still think that there's that cover two system sucks, but um and they've gotten burned so many times. But uh if if they bring him back you're like, okay, well, we add another edge rusher because um, they geared up Packers showed they gear up stop Montez Sweat, and then the rest of that defensive line is nothing. 
is wow it's got- almost like teams prepare good coaches prepare for the opponent yeah and michael Penix just missed a wide open wide receiver that would have been for a touchdown oof oof missed missed a guy that's going to be a, a top 15 draft pick wide open oof but i it's just i i just you add another edge rusher and you can live with a Matt Eberflus. It's this whole offensive scheme needs overhaul. Need to move on from Luke. That's just plain and simple. And let's reiterate here too that living with Eberflus, even with a great coordinator, is still not our number one ideal outcome. Yeah, I, I he's not good enough. Matt Eberflus cannot win you a Super Bowl. No. No, I, I maybe he wins you a division, maybe or a wild card berth, but he's yeah. not going to outcoach Andy Reid or Matt Lafleur or Mike Tomlin. He can't even outcoach the play. I mean the uh, the game clock. Yeah, I mean, again, where are your standards? Where are your standards? And you know what? This is going to be a challenge if if you do go in another direction, coaching-wise. There is a challenge here because it's not like you have the big free agent class of coaches here. And there's more and more rumblings about Jim Harbaugh's return to the NFL. Whether that comes to fruition, we'll see. But I'll tell you this. I think it's a 99.9% chance that Jim Harbaugh does not come here. No. No, because that he's that that would go against everything that the McCaskies are. Is he's going to come in here and shake things up? And he's a he's a weird dude. He wants everything his way. It's and uh, if you don't buy into the passion, George Hallis might take away. That's not what we're looking for. You got to win a press conference. I just, um, I'm just fed up. And I, I'm like, I think Jim Harbaugh is where he belongs. At Michigan, um, stay there. And I know he's a competitor, and I know he uh, um, eventually wants to win a Super Bowl. But you you can't. You, I just I don't think he's the right. He I think he would do good things with the Bears. He would make them competitive. I just don't think that is a – it's a very volatile situation. I Yeah, I mean, I just – I could hope for it. I just – it's most likely not happening. And, you know, you look – because, I mean, listen, the Bears ain't the only team looking for a new coach. No. Nope. Manners are looking for a new coach. The Panthers are looking for a new coach. The Chargers are looking for a new coach. The – Falcons are looking for a new coach. Look, the Patriots are going to, you know, I mean, there's, you got competition. 
Now, are the Bears more desired? Okay, let, you want to play a little game here? If you had to look at all the other teams that are looking for a coach, let's go down the list. Who's more appealing, that team or the Bears? You want to play that game? Sure. Okay. Let's start with one we'll easily win. Panthers. Bears. Okay. Falcons. Falcons. All they really need is a quarterback, right? Yeah. So I I, I would agree, slight edge to the Falcons. Commanders. Bears. Yeah, I'll give the Bears a slight over that one. Chargers. I mean, you've got your quarterback in, but you've man, that's a that's a team that was built to win this year and they just pooped the bed. I'm gonna say Chargers, but that it's gonna shift pretty quickly to Bears if they figure out the quarterback situation. Yeah, that I mean that's fair. Your defense is older and uh your offensive line had struggles. Your quarterback was injured. Um so I yeah, I'm gonna say Chargers right now, but I think the Bears have the real possibility of flipping that as far as talent wise. Vegas. Bears. Yeah, I... I mean, ever since they fired McDaniels, they have looked better, but... Better. Uh, I, I mean... It's such a it, weird organization. Here's the thing. It's one of those things is people are like, oh, you know, it's the players, not the coaches. But you know what? Coaches get paid a lot of money, and they fired a coach there. They brought in a coach... And with the same group of players, actually worse because you went from you went from an actual quarterback to to a, a rookie who was not like a what was he like a fourth round rookie, fifth round, mm-hmm. no count. And you're and you were playing better. So um, I just I just don't understand that that this doesn't make sense to the bears. If you take your roster that you put together as a GM, you think is a good roster and the coaching and you, you're like, Oh man, they're not playing well. Hmm. Did I make, put together a bad roster? Maybe it's bad coaching. And you put a different coaching staff in place. Maybe better results. So I haven't heard anything about Mike Vrabel yet. Hey, can I can I pause you for one second here? Mm-hmm. This remember when I talked about it's not just your your head coach, it's finding people either that have been good at this position they're in, so not everybody's in over their head, or finding people that are exceptional at what they do that are gonna move up. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna point this out. <clears throat> in 2013, the then Washington Redskins. Now Washington Commanders. They were uh, their head coach was Mike Shanahan. Mm-hmm. Can I list you the names of assistant coaches that they had? Go for it. Uh, 
their linebackers coach was Bob Slowick, who is the offensive coordinator for the Texans and one of the hot names to be a head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, their assistant special teams coach was Richard Hightower. Mm-hmm. who's the bear special teams coach mm-hmm. defensive backs coach Raheem Morris, who was NFL head coach. <clears throat> those, those are the, the, the lower ones. Um, offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan mm-hmm. quarterbacks, coach Matt LaFleur mm-hmm. wide, wide receivers, coach Mike McDaniel tight ends, coach Sean McVay. Wow. Talk about a tree. That, that is a coaching staff that you put together. Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur and Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan, like the four best coaches in the NFL are all assistant coaches. That's nuts. And (laughs) hashtag the bears would never No. And and just on their defensive coaches, you're like, that's a pretty darn good uh, roster there too. Yeah. Then you get to your offense. You're like, holy shit. The bears, the bears wouldn't have that. Haven't had that collection of coaches in their a hundred plus years of existence. No. So it's, it's just frustrating. Can we also just just pay, pay somebody and get a legit person in here and not just somebody, Oh, well, they're good at their job. Find somebody that is that they have that fire is watch uh watch matt lafleur on the sidelines he's not some wallflower he's throwing things he's yelling and he's screaming and get somebody with that passion that they've got that fire they've got that passion they know the x's and o's like i get passing on mike mcdaniel because he's weird mike mcdaniel's weird so i i get passing on him but the Sean McVay's and Matt, Matt LaFleur's and the Kyle Shanahan's, you can't pass on guys like those. They just, they, they just, they show up. They, you, they show up when, when you interview them. We have Mike Tomlin. I would love Mike Tomlin. Is when, when you have a, when a bad season for Mike Tomlin is like eight wins, that's a bad season for him. This a year, season. yeah, they, they won 10 games this year and people in Pittsburgh want him gone. And you had millions of things go weird or bad for the Steelers and they still won 10 games. With Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback. And Mason Rudolph and uh, my goodness, they still won 10 games. I, it's incredible. I, I mean, it, it's you can put every Bears coach together and you wouldn't equal that. Is if you if you got him, that would be a coup. That would just be you would have you would have won the off season because he's going to come in here and he's not just going to come in here. He's going to come in here with coaches that know what they're doing. Hmm. Another tangent. Have you ever seen 
uh, Jim and John Harbaugh's dad. Yes. He looks like if you put uh, Jim Harbaugh in one of those aging apps on your phone. I know. <laughs> it's so weird. He looks just like him. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So I, I'm just fed up. I mean, you watch this game and like, what, what can you say? The, the Bears had a tough time tackling. I knew what was going to happen. They were going to start the game and with some passes, open it up. And then they're just going to the second half, they're going to pound the ball on the and the Bears aren't going to be able to stop. I knew exactly what was going to happen. And yeah, oh yeah. And it it happened. I mean, I I just knew. And the fact that the coaching staff couldn't see this. Same as it ever was. I mean, it, it was like the same movie. How many times have we seen the Bears get off to a pretty solid start at Green Bay? They score first. They get a stop or two early on, you're thinking, oh, oh boy, here we go. And then the bears have an opportunity to extend the lead. They don't. And then all hell breaks loose. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. It's it just, it's, it's just tiresome. It's just tiresome. Tiresome. And, and having to hear it from the fans up North every year. And the, we own you stuff and the jokes and the, the ridicule. It just, it never ends. It never ends. And here's the thing. They have the right to talk shit because they do own us. And when you hear bear players, like, listen, I'm a big Jaquan Brisker fan, but his post-game comments, like, dude, really? Come on. The bears should have won that game. Regardless of how much they were outplayed, there were opportunities for them You don't have to be the better team. You just have to have the more have more points at the end of the game. But of course they can't. Like that, that, of course they can't go that, overcome that. You there? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I'm just, it's just tiresome. And I really hope tomorrow, which will be Tuesday, uh, whenever you listen to this, I hope the Bears announce that they are parting ways with their coaching staff. And the fact that they haven't yet has me worried that they're not going to do that. I- I'm worried too. I'm not saying it's 100% going to go one way or the other, but I, I, I'm worried too. And, you know, I recognize it's a long season and you can't base it off of one game, but all of the, all of the things that you sold me on where you're growing and you're building over the last eight weeks or so of the bears organization, it, it got negated when, you played like that against the Green Bay Packers. It's just a fact. Yep. So the Bears now officially are on the clock. They have the number one pick, and the their order for them has said they will pick, also pick ninth. So they'll have the number nine pick. So two picks in the top ten. Um, 
And that should be good for them because last year when they traded out of number one, they traded to nine. Uh, ironic, one and nine last year, one and nine this year. Um, but if you trade further back for even more compensation, you still have a top 10 pick to, to fall back on. I mean, you're in great draft position. You're as good as you can get. The, the the possibilities are endless. It's just how are you going to do it? Yeah. Yep. And, you know, now is, uh, I think, I think the draft order bodes well for you um, to be able to get a haul. I know there's several quarterbacks in there, but somebody, there's going to be at least one team that falls in love with a guy and they're going to be so afraid that, the Washington Commanders and the uh, New England Patriots are are going to take them and leapfrog them, um, and you're going to you're going to panic and go, oh man, I'm going to lose the guy I'm desperate for. And you're going to want to leapfrog them. So even though there are more quarterbacks that are good, you're going to have teams that are going to throw. It happened with the year Justin Fields was drafted. There was several quarterbacks that were first round guys and somebody fell in love with Trey Lance. They traded three first rounds to get Trey Lance. There's going to be somebody that falls in love with a guy and they're like, I can't draft after Washington and new England because they're both picking quarterbacks. I've to, I'm not going to fall for the fourth quarterback in the fourth, you know, pick of the litter of, quarterbacks i want my guy and, and you're not going to be able to trade with new england you're not going to be able to trade with washington because they both want quarterbacks it's the bears because if you trade with at number four with uh arizona you're what's the difference at fourth and eighth and tenth because you're not going to get your guy so the fact that if if arizona would have got that second pick is teams could have played leverage them against each other. Like, well, I, I can get, I can go to two and get a dude. Um, so you are going to have to go to the bears and I think you're going to get a major haul and you have to ask yourself. And I know some dumb announcer was like, well, you know, you pick your quarterback and then you just got to hit on one guy. But if you get four picks, five picks, you've got to hit on all. No, you don't. You don't have to hit on all of them is you hit, uh, look, look what the bears did last year. They, they could have had one swing at the number one pick. And if they got to hit a hundred percent on that one, now they had, they have two first rounders, two second rounders and DJ Moore. DJ Moore has already hit. He's a hit. You know, it's mm -hmm. a hit. Yep. You got Darnell, right? He looks like a hit. So yeah. Okay. We're two for two. And I think actually who did their second rounder last year, Tyreek Stevenson. Hit. Three for three. That's and so and and then now this other first rounder is the number one pick. So you you know, it, it's boding well for you. You don't need them all, but boy, it makes the odds a lot easier to to get quality players. Absolutely. 
So, uh, yeah. So the, now they're on the clock, and and I do I do hope Ryan Field or Ryan Poles evaluates all the quarterbacks. Oh he, yeah, you got to do your due diligence here. You absolutely have to. If if he truly, really and truly, sees somebody and goes, man, I think, I think that dude is a guy. I I put in all my chips and think he's the guy. Okay, then then that's what you're gonna do. But you know, it's you've got. It seems to me you've got three options if you're the Bears. One. You trade back and you get that haul and you get that haul and you build around Justin Fields. Two is you draft that guy, trade Justin Fields. And three is you, uh, you trade that number one pick and you get a haul and then you use that number nine pick to get a quarterback. So those seems to be the three options, you know, because there's no saying that, Oh, at that nine pick, you're not going to get the dude because wasn't that, wasn't that where Matt, Pat Mahomes was drafted? Is he ninth? It's either ninth or 11th. I, I, oh. I, I've taken that memory out of my mind for my, yeah. so for my sanity. I, I want to say, I want to say that's around when, Josh Allen was picked. I want to say that's even a little earlier than when Ben Roethlisberger was drafted. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's not nothing to say you can't get that Hall and your quarterback. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm. Those seem like the three possibilities. I want the due diligence done. Part of that is you got to figure out what you can get for Justin Fields too. If if you decide you, you know. And this might, this might not even be decided, bef- you know, until day of, because if you're like, you know what, I really like this guy. I think we can get him later. And he's not there. You're playing B's. You keep Justin Fields and you build around him. But if that dude's available and uh, at nine, and then you, um, and, you know, you have to kind of know what you can get for Justin Fields. I still think you can get a first rounder for him. A future first. You think so? I think so. Hmm. Think Sam Atlanta Brad- would do you think Atlanta would want to make that move? I think it depends on who they bring in as a coach, but uh, you know, there is a, a first a future first rounder uh versus trading multiple first round picks to move up to get a guy now. What are they drafting? Atlanta 15th. Let's see. NFL draft order. All right. Atlanta is picking eighth. So they're picking eighth. So are you going to trade multiple first round picks to move up to get your dude? Wait and see who's left for the pickings or go with a, a, a fairly known commodity where are you trading a, where you can keep your first rounder this year and uh, go with 
and trade next year's first rounder when it's probably going to be somewhere in the mid to upper 20s. I mean, it, would it seem like, because I feel like fit-wise, Atlanta would make a ton of sense, and I've said this for a while now, but uh, I mean, what other teams do you think would be a possibility? I mean, I don't see teams that are drafting high going with that because they're probably going to draft somebody, but I mean, you're, you're thinking of teams that, aren't necessarily going to be drafting super high and need a quarterback. I think the Falcons are one of those teams. Um, I don't think that you're going to see Washington's probably out. They're going to draft a quarterback. Yeah, they're probably unless, unless whoever's there is like, you know what, let's draft a weapon and then trade our next year's number one for Justin Fields. And um, but I, I would assume that they're going to draft a dude. New England's probably going to draft a dude. Arizona's going to stay with their dude. Um, Chargers got their dude. I think the Giants. You got so much wrapped up in Danny Dimes, even though I don't think he's the answer. No, he's not. Um but I, I don't know. I, I think the Giants probably out. Maybe Tennessee. Are they sold on Will Levis? I, I don't know. That That's my big question. I really don't know. Um, Maybe Atlanta. The Jets, no, because they're married to that geriatric doucher. Minnesota. That tax would be pretty high. They have to be, but you know, they, they don't, who's their quarterback next year. I, I think they're going to try to resign Kirk cousins. I think they will, but um, you know, uh, what's he going to look like? He's injured. He's 30, going to be 37 years old. Um, Is he that old? I think so. Uh, I thought he was like lower thirties. Kirk cousin. Mm-mm. Unless I'm wrong, I thought he was like when, 33-ish. He'll be 36 when the season starts. Wow. Okay. So he's a few years older than I thought. Well, he has been around a while. I mean, he was drafted. He was drafted at the same year, the same team as RG3. So. Yeah, that's right. So Minnesota's a possibility of wanting him. Maybe Denver. But all that they have tied in Russell Wilson. Well, he's gone. They're they're moving on from him. Ah, uh, that's true. They, I forget. They, yeah, yeah, he's done. Um, Vegas, maybe. Uh, New Orleans paid Carr, so I think they're going to keep him. Indianapolis drafted a guy. Um, wild dark horse, Seattle. Yeah, I I mean. You know, they're their quarterback, Geno Smith. Geno, is... Geno Smith was hurt a lot, and they don't have it's not like they're tied up that much with him. Um, no, it's just do they want to give up a lot of capital? Uh, Jacksonville, no, Cincinnati, no, Green Bay, no, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay. That's eh, interesting because I don't think Baker Mayfield's necessarily a long term solution there. No, I don't think so either. 
How, how, wait, how are the Broncos? I know there's the drama with the Broncos and Russell Wilson in the sitting out, but they sat him out because his, he's got a huge, um, roster bonus due. Yeah. And that's if he right. Gets, if he gets injured, uh, it's guaranteed, but otherwise if he's not injured, they can cut him and not at before that, not have to pay it. So the plan is they're planning to cut him unless he takes a big pay cut or probably still cut him anyway. Um, but they didn't want him to risk getting him hurt and having to be guaranteed paying that money. So they right. sat. Because I know they sat him and he was pretty pissed and it was a whole thing. And I, I knew it had something to do with money. I just, I, I honestly didn't read that much into it. So, um, hmm. Um, well, do they have the, do, what's the, what does their capital look like? I mean, I, I'm sure they can make something work. It's just, you know, what are they going to be able to swing here? Let's look it over the cap. <clears throat> Imagine if he somehow just went back to Seattle. Uh, Let's see. Calculator. Russell Wilson. Let's say that they're going to designate him as a post June 1st. Man. They will be, they'll be 18 over the cap. So, I mean, you would get Justin Fields for like a year and then you would have to pay him, right? Well, then they're for 2025 then they would have 111 million dollars. So you were just talking 2024. Yeah. Okay. So you would have to turn some people into roster bonuses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. That's a that's a possibility. I don't. I mean, I don't know what Denver's going to do because they're uh, Sean Payton's going to want a, a guy. And yeah, and you're drafting twelfth. So I don't know. We shall see. I just I with Minnesota, if you were to trade them Justin Fields, wouldn't that require just an absolute haul being in the same division? Yeah. Yeah. It would there would be a tax added to that. And I don't know. I I my money is them on re-signing Kirk Cousins. That's just me. I think Probably. Seattle could be a sneaky, interesting one, though. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what he would do? Uh, DK Metcalf and well with with uh Pete Carroll. Yeah, well yes. Yeah. He would know exactly how to utilize him. Yep. Cause Pete Carroll is no dummy. Except when it's uh the last play of the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, that whole thing. Still can't believe that happened. I know. Like he it, Beast mode, there was no stopping him. And uh you you just like, oh well they can't stop. Nothing they can do. And let's just try to be slick about it. No, just hand it to the dude who's running over everybody. 
oh, well, they were expecting that. They weren't expecting this pass. Well, clearly they were. They read it like a book. You know, that was almost 10 years ago. Jeez. Not quite, but we're getting there. So that was the 2014 season. Next year is the 2024 season. So that means a year from like a month from now. So in 13 months, it'll be 10 years since that. I was watching in my college dorm room with my buddies. We ordered pizza and we tipped the delivery driver really, really well because I don't know if you remember that Super Bowl here in Chicago. It was a blizzard and very, very cold. Yep, I remember. Just like it's going to be this week. Yep. Get ready. Hallis Hall will be covered in snow and ice, but will bare weather prevail? Will bare weather make them make a good decision or will bare weather make them even bigger meatballs? That's the question. Uh, so hopefully when you guys listen to this, they've made coaching changes, but I, I'm not that hopeful. I, you know, it's hard to gauge by looking at Kevin Warren's face, but he always looks angry. Yeah, and I don't know if that's just how he looks or that's he's really just um I'm sure though that uh we might hear at some point that the old lady was pissed off. By the way, happy 101st birthday. Yeah, well, mom was pissed off. I'm Ding Dong George and you know, as I'm telling you this, I'm doodling a monkey on my uh yellow notepad with my purple crayon. Ugh. Just bleh. Such a ding-dong, man. Ding-dong, George. Let's just hope there's no ding-dong, Kevin. Don't, uh... <laughs> don't infect him. Did you see the, um... Those signs that were outside of Hallis Hall? Yes. The, uh... All the Justin Fields support signs. Because, the you know, Ryan Pohl said that he deleted Twitter. Um... Yes, he did. So, uh, which means he had Twitter. So what's his burner? I know. We got to figure out what his burner account is. And, oh my God, can you imagine if somebody figured out what his burner account was? (laughs) Um, But, so he deleted it. It means he had it. So he means he's not, he's not listening to what fans have to say. And, you know, he's got to hear it. What other way is he going to hear it? Just make make his drive into work noticeable. His his burner is one of those ridiculous names from the Key and Peel East versus West Bowl skit. The <laughs> uh, uh. Andre D. Billings Clyde. <laughs> That's going to be Ryan Poles' burner. What if it's something like not Ryan Poles? It's still nothing will beat Jed Hoyer spanking it. What was his burner? It's it's Jed Hoyer. And he tweeted spanking it like over 10 years ago. (laughs) Have you never seen that? No, I've never seen that. What? Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, I I gotta find this right now. 
This is like the iconic Cubs tweet of all time. I mean, this isn't as good as Mitch Trubisky. I love titties. Uh, it's it's rivaling it. All right, I'm. I googled Jed Hoyer. <laughs> was that really his burner account? I I think it was Jed Hoyer spanking. <laughs> we'll never know for sure, but I. The rumor is is that Jed Hoyer had that burner and like Theo had it and tweeted that for whatever reason. Uh, he has three tweets. Um, the first one is spanking it. And then seven years later, ah, anyone have a hand towel? <laughs> and then four years later, finally, I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a big, bright, shining star and a clip from Boogie Nights. <laughs> If that's really him, that would be amazing. I know. Man, you never seen that? No. What was the date of the spank in a tweet? Because it was a while ago. April 14th, 2009. Yeah, long time ago. Wow, that would be amazing. I don't think it is. But don't ruin the legend, man. I'm going to go on to chat GPT and be like, what is Ryan Pohl's burner account? Uh... Yeah, there's several threads of people trying to figure out what his burner accounts is. I mean, if he shut it down, does that mean he deleted it or did he just? I don't know. I, I would love to know. I am on Reddit and somebody commented, what the fuck? Are you telling me he isn't making decisions based off of Reddit or Twitter? Fuck me. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Wild. Uh, but yeah, I mean, hopefully this is an eventful week for the bears. Hopefully they do something. I, I just, I can't, I can't sit here with the inaction. We've had enough of that though. I don't think it's really an action. It's negotiating. If you know what I mean? Uh, I, I just, I don't know what, like, how your Ryan Poles and Kevin Ward and watched what transpired and walk in there and be like, yeah, Luke Getzi's our dude, regardless of Matt Eberflus. How do you walk in there and be like, yeah, Luke, Luke Getzi is our dude. We, we stand by that dude and not firing him is standing by him. There's, there's no, there's no, well, it's either he's your dude and you're standing by him or, He's not your dude and you move on. There's no, this is a black and white issue. Right. We woo, we woo, we woo. Those sirens better be blaring. Uh, all right. What should we move on to? Uh, 
what makes things even worse in Chicago? Something I alluded to earlier. Connor Connor Bedard. Um, I, you know, at first, like, dirty hit. I went back and watched. I don't think it was. It was a it was a hard hit, but I don't know if it was a dirty hit. I I yeah. I mean, was it a little high? Sure, but we've seen much much worse. Much much worse. Yeah, and. You know, I appreciate no matter what his team having his back. Um, but you, um, it's you. You got to have his back, and the way they did it just showed me that even through this dog turd season, uh, they're they're still playing as a team. Yeah, I mean, you know the. They have no talent left on the roster because you have nine guys on IR. But like I like you said, they're still trying to play as a team, even if they get killed at times. It's it's not always for a lack of effort. It's just you you have an AHL roster out there, and hey, they, they had a nice win against the Flames somehow. Without you had this Island of Misfit Toys go out and beat the Flames the other day. Good for them. Yeah, I mean, honestly, is. I'm going to preface this by saying silver lining. Like nobody wants the situation where they're in, where they have nine guys on IR. Like that is just, I mean, it's laughable at this point. Um, Is the, the silver lining in all of this is that somebody's got to step up and you're going to have players that there's like, well, there's nobody, somebody's got to step up and play. And so far, um, it's been Blackwell playing like with his, like his hair's on fire. He had a really good game against Calgary. Yeah, he did. Um, maybe, uh, maybe this is what Lucas Reichel needs. Hey, I, I gotta be the dude. Still waiting for him to break out. So I, that's that maybe maybe that's the kick in the pants that they all need that everybody's hurt there's no talent on this team there's zero expectations we're just going out there and doing whatever we can maybe that's the fire that that's the spark i don't know that's the one silver lining that you can hope for right i mean it's it's gonna be pretty rough i mean you look at where the roster is and you're like yeesh I mean, I, I I read somewhere that they had more cap space on IR than actually on the ice. <laughs> that not surprising. Oof. Oof. I, I mean, listen, you look at the whole roster as it is. Connor Bedard's on IR, Seth Jones, Andres Athanasiu, Taylor Hall. He's done for the year. Uh, those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Who else? There's more. I got to look it up because I, I, I'm losing track who's on IR these days. Um, 
Joey Anderson on IR? I I I didn't see much of the uh the game the other day. I just saw the end when the Blackhawks won, but let's see Blackhawks IR. Let's get this full list. Yeah, he's on IR. Yeah, I that's what I thought. So, what that's 5. Tyler Johnson's on IR. Taylor Radish. Uh, Bavelier. Felino. Yeah, that's right. He had a fractured finger. I forgot about that. Yep. He did it. He got it in the fight defending oh, Bedard. Jeez. So, yeah, I mean, here you go. Here you Paul, Bedard, Athanasiu, Bavelier, Tyler Johnson, Taylor Radish, Nick Foligno, uh, Joey Anderson, and then Seth Jones. Jeez. And, and Corey Perry was gone for other reasons. Yes. Yeah, that's not IR. That's well, other reasons. I mean, still, you got to put that, you got to figure that in there a little bit. <laughs> like that, the, That's a guy that you started the season hoping would do something and... Whew, so you've got just so many players. And I mean, there. and I mean, think about it. Like I had to look up who was all on IR because I couldn't keep track. Yeah. It's like, it was a quote. It was just like, it's, it's laughable at this point. Right. Like it's, it's obvious, you know, Bedard's on IR. He's the face of your franchise. Taylor Hall has been out for a long time. He's going to be out the rest of the season. Athanasiu. Didn't he go out like the first few weeks of the season? He's been, I forgot he was even on the team. And then Seth Jones hasn't been around a while. I totally forgot Nick Foligno was on IR. Uh, You know, Taylor Radish, that one I kind of, oh, like, oh yeah, he's on there too. Um, I somehow remember Joey Anderson, uh, but geez, man. I mean, you're, you're not winning anything this year, but it's like, wow. No, no. And and what's wild is how bad you've been playing. How many uh how many players are injured? You're still not as bad as San Jose. Yeah. How how bad is San Jose? Really bad. Really bad. I mean, you're like you're 5 points better than them. You're praying that you get Celebrini if you're the if you're the Sharks. Oh my God! What if? How mad would the league be if the Blackhawks got the number one pick again? Oh, there would be riots in the streets. I literally am on Tankathon. Press Sim Lottery one time. Blackhawks one, Columbus two, San Jose three. Oh no! Yeah, awesome. Oh my God. Like the, every fan would just like outside of Chicago would just be losing their mind. Hey, to, to loop back quick on the bears. I was, uh, I saw a something from Brad Biggs and he is quoted as saying, I believe if Matt Eberflus makes it to a third season with the bears, he would do so with two new coordinators. 
My hunch is Eberflus would call defensive plays next season if he's back. And the offense really struggled at times this season. And I doubt the blame is placed on the quarterback, Justin Fields. Offensive uh, coordinator Luke Getze could be in a difficult spot. So a question the Bears will have for Eberflus is what kind of vision does he have for his staff in 2024? Does it impress them? Hmm. So Brad Biggs doesn't seem like he thinks Luke Getze's going to be back. Hopefully that's true. He has this finger on the pulse much more than I do. And, and maybe that's part of their decision process. They met with Eberflus and said, Hey, because you know, usually your own, usually ownership and GMs don't fire assistant coaches. It's usually your head coach, but you go to him because if you go to Eberflus and you're like, yeah, we, we can't have this coaching staff. What are you going to do? And if he's like, I'm sticking with my dude. Well, then you, okay, well then we're going to fire you. And, and everybody's gone. Um, or maybe they're sitting down with him and like before they fire Getsy, like, hey, what what are we thinking? So maybe maybe that's part of the the delay. Could be. And you know what? I, I I'm gonna say this is if you put a gun to my head and said, tell me what's going to happen. And you better be right. I would say that at the very least, I feel good about Luke Getze being gone. I just don't know about Matt Eberflus. I, I would actually be somewhat shocked if they did keep Luke Getze. Wouldn't be shocked if they kept Eberflus, but Luke Getze, I feel like that would be for for what Ryan Poles seems to be, for what his standards seem to be, and what I hope Kevin Warren's standards seem to be, I really hope that's at least enough to say, you know what, we're going to get rid of Luke Getze, and George, George McCaskey doesn't have to eat the salary of a head coach, um, but just a coordinator. That's my hope. George McReinsdorf? Yeah. I mean, uh, why, why do you think... He kept Ted Phillips around so long because Ted Phillips could help advise within the parameters of what the McCaskies wanted to spend. Cause Ted, Ted Phillips was their bean counter. Doesn't I mean, doesn't it all make sense? It does. It does. I mean, when you think about it, this, they only income this though McCaskies have is owning the bears, right? Like the, they, other teams have, you know, David Tepper, owner of Carolina, he's a billionaire hedge fund manager. Jerry also a piece Jones. of crap. Oh, yeah, he's a total piece of crap. But Jerry Jones, rich. Uh, guy who just bought Washington, rich. Like, all these owners are just filthy rich that bought a team with their filthy rich money. The McCaskies, that's all the money they have. And not crying poor on them, but... uh um, but they, they, they're not billionaires. They're, I mean, they're billionaires in the sense of if they sold the team, they'd be billionaires, but they, they don't have billions of dollars disposable income. I mean, you can go beyond just the NFL and look in the city. Where did the Ricketts get their fortune? TD Ameritrade. Look at the Wirtz company. 
they own how many businesses? They have the alcohol line. They, you know, with banks and investment and all this stuff. They own uh, commercial real estate and mm-hmm. they own they own apartment complexes. They own the alcohol distributor. Like they've owned, they've got their hands in a lot of businesses. Yeah. Um, Reinsdorf is, he was a rich dude. He was a, a lawyer and he bought the White Sox and the Bulls for next to nothing. Mm-hmm. And he is making fat cash off of both. And yet he still acts like Jerry Reinsdorf. Yeah. So that dude, that dude is filthy rich. And if he sold his franchises, he would be, he would have billions of dollars. Yep. Um, so yeah, the bears, they just don't have that. So yeah, I, I, that makes sense is, is there, you know, they, they want to be, I'm not going to say cheap, but they want, they, they sort of want to be a little frugal. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, type replacing an offensive coordinator is a whole lot cheaper than replacing a whole coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're about to start spending all of your cap money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to talk a little baseball? Sure. Really not much to talk about. No, but you know what? I'm going to say something optimistic. I think a bomb is going to go off in a good way for the Cubs coming up. I think there's going to be a dam breaking. I say this and wield it into existence. Well, it's not going to be Fran Reyes because he's about to sign overseas. Oh, no. I think he's going to the Korean League. Darn. Because I was totally looking at him on my radar. But did you see the report from earlier today? I did not. Let me pull it up. So Jim Bowden reported they're uh, there, as in the Cubs, involved and have made significant offers to Montgomery, Bellinger, Chapman, and Hoskins. Wow. Keep in mind that a lot of these guys I just listed, who is their agent? But Boris. Right. So what does this mean? This is going to take time. And that's why it has taken time. And I'm just hoping that we're getting to that point where one of those dams breaks. And something happens. I hope so. I really hope so, because it's uh, the Cubs are one of the very few, if not only team that has not signed a major league player. Yeah, it's uh, it's literally like them in the Marlins or something like that, or the Rockies, maybe or maybe the Rockies might have recently signed some. I don't know. But like the Cubs are one of few teams. I don't like keeping track of that stuff necessarily. Um, I mean, it's clear who the number one spender is, who the Dodgers just got Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, that how? 
And they somehow, I mean, I know it's illegal, but they deferred money on that and it's a one-year deal. Just come on. And they still might not be done. They might make another massive trade. I mean, I still think Dylan Cease is legit trade candidate. I think so too. Because he would fit into their budget. And budget, what budget? There's no limit for them. They wouldn't have to pay him, at least. He makes next to nothing. He would be making less than uh, than uh, Shohei Otani. Well, we did this stupid little negotiating thing, and now we're deferring all his salary to 2058. But man, though, if you got, if you somehow got three of four of those names, like if you got Bellinger, Chapman, and Montgomery, or Montgomery, Bellinger, and Hoskins, those are three significant gets. And I know I'm not as bullish on uh, Matt Chapman, um, but he's a great defender. He could still hit for some pop. And if he does that for you, you take that as a plus. Again, I'm not advocating for them giving him a big contract, but if you somehow scored him on something reasonable, I wouldn't I wouldn't protest. Let's just say that. But we'll see. I mean, I really want Bellinger and I'd I'd love to have Jordan Montgomery on this team. You need to you need a a, a big name pitcher. You can't roll into 2024. With a rotation of Steele and Wicks and Hendricks and Tyone and Javier Assad. You need one or two guys in there. What if Tyone comes in and pulls a uh and pulls a, a turnaround and becomes the pitcher that we thought he was gonna be? I mean, if he does that, great, but that's still, you're still looking at a 3 4 starter. I'm just, I'm also not excited about Matt Chapman. I'm not, I'm not lobbying for him to be their big move, but if, if you have Hoskins at first and Belly, does Belly play center then? And then, you you kick the can down the road with PCA. PCA. Well, you can do that. Or if you do have PCA, you play Bellinger at first to DH Hoskins because you remember he is coming off an injury. Uh, and then, but then where, uh, um, where do you play? What's his face that you're going to be playing to DH? Morel. Yeah, Christopher Morel. Might have to play him at third. Try to get. I know it's not ideal, but but if you if you have Chapman and Hoskins, then you then, trade Morel for Shane Beer. I don't know. He's becoming the uh, the man with no home, and I that's the part of the problem with you know having a guy that can play multiple positions reasonably well makes it a whole lot easier to plan things. Like the fact that you can put Bellinger at all any three outfield spots first base or dh 
makes it a whole lot easier to be like, all right, well, I, I, we can fit them in our plans because if we sign a first, if we PCA comes up, we move them to first base or DH. Um, and if we sign Hoskins, then we can move him to DH and then have him fill in it at in the outfield or first base. But Morrell, Morrell is not a good enough fielder to to be like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll we can plug and play him anywhere. That and that's the frustrating thing is you want your hot corner to be a, at least a respectable defender. Yes, I mean you would love to have a good defender with a pop in his bat. But, um, you know, it, if if they did, if their infield is Chapman and Horner and Swanson and uh, Bellinger at first, that's a pretty darn good fielding infield. Yeah. I mean, up the middle, you know you're going to get elite def- defense. And Bellinger at first will give you steady. You know he won't he won't be a platinum glover like Anthony Rizzo, but he'll do the job as needed. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not he's not the same defender as he is in center field, but he's I would say above average. Mm-hmm. And listen, maybe you look at this year and say, hey, you know. Pete Crow Armstrong might be something down the road. I mean, I'm sure he'll get big league time again in 2024 as long as he's healthy, but I I feel like it would be best to get him a bit more seasoning in the minors first, and then you go from there. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's what would be hilarious if CubsCon comes and goes and the, the Cubs haven't really signed anybody, but Bellinger just showed up with a fake mustache asking him, <laughs> asking them, what about, what about Bellinger? Have you thought about re-signing him? Oh yeah. Hi. Uh, my name is uh, Moldy uh, Bellcox. And I have a question for Mr. Hoyer. Hmm, that guy looks awfully familiar, but the mustache has me baffled. He's also wearing a top hat and a monocle. <laughs> <laughs> the monocle has no lens. Uh, keeps dropping the monocle. It smashes. I must simply stop being so astonished. Oh, I am so sorry. I had so much brandy today. Uh, but the White Sox, on the other hand, man... I get angry texts every morning at like 6 a.m. from Gary. <laughs> oh, what's he saying? Uh, he, he's just, he hates Jerry Reinsdorf. Um, Which, that's fair. I'm not going to say he's wrong. Yeah. Um, so he, these are some things that he's been fighting with people on the internet about. Um, I'll just read it straight because it is, uh, I think you aren't listening to what people mean when they say he doesn't spend, meaning Reinsdorf. I'll try to break it down. Let's take $50 million. Do you pay five players $10 million 
one-year contracts who have an average of one war, or do you pay one player $40 million a year for 10 years who averages six war for the first five years and two or three for the next five and fill the other four spots with players uh, making anywhere from six hundred to eight million, eating up the remaining remaining of the eight, $10 million. Let's say those four only average a one war. Which one is helping the team more? Same amount of money, different type of spending. When people say Jerry doesn't spend, it's uh, they say it because he doesn't risk long-term investments. Unfortunately, no superstar will come to a team with a one or two year deal. That's not where baseball is today. Jerry puts his business first, willing to risk spending one year to save the next three if things don't work out. That's why you have three rebuilds in the last 10 years. Not sure you're expecting this pattern to change. People who are negative about Jerry have been the same. I've seen the same pattern for 42 years, several GMs and many players. Also in the last 10 years, the White Sox have spent $50 million more than the twins. When you boast about how much more they spend, that equals about 5 million more a year. And obviously in the wrong areas. Not to mention the White Sox and Twins attendance numbers are also very similar. However, White Sox tickets are, are way higher in price and their food and drink costs way more. And Reinsdorf saves 10 to $15 million a year on stadium usage costs if the attendance is less than $1.9 million. And then he also said, uh, when somebody said that about spending, he said, I'm going to give you a concrete example. December 2019, both Zach Wheeler and Dallas Keuchel are free agents. Keuchel 31, Wheeler 29, both coming off similar seasons before free agency, but Wheeler has a ton more upside and is demanding more money. Keuchel has thrown a lot of innings and his velocity is dropping. Keuchel signs with the White Sox for three years, $55 million. Wheeler signs for five years, 118. Keuchel at $18 million, Wheeler at 23.6. Those salary numbers don't look too off, Correct. So why didn't the White Sox go for the younger, more upside Wheeler? Well, two reasons. The White Sox have not committed to a five years on a contract for a pitcher since John Banks. Hmm. So that worked out. And they are still assuming that was a a huge mistake. The White Sox don't give out huge commitment money contracts. Now look at both starting pitchers uh, produced since 2019. Wheeler has a 19.2 war, Keuchel 2.3. Would it have been worth giving the longer term, more committed money contract? This is an example of why people say the White Sox don't spend. He's not wrong. No, it's well put together. And and I, I'm sorry, I missed it. Who put that together? My friend Gary. Oh, Gary put that together. Well, I I think he said it eloquently. Very good. Good job, it, it, Gary. It's it, the White Sox are so frustrating. Is he's got a point? Is they they're always going to think of the bottom line first. And they did so when they fired, they fired their GM and president of baseball operations. And I'm guessing that they got a little lippy. It didn't follow the, the plan because there's no way they would have fired those two guys for just not pl- being good. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you, you bring in a, a guy without interviewing anybody else. He's a yes man. He's an absolute yes man that was not good enough to be hired at that position anywhere else. So he's going to go, well, I can't, I'm not going to get another general manager job. I'm going to stay in this job as long as I can. So what Jerry tells me, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what he is doing. Look at these signings they're making short-term low money, short-term low money. You're not getting stuck with anybody. 
Um, putting putting warm bodies on a roster. Tim Anderson had a a team option, and we all assumed that they were going to pick it up, even if he wasn't. They weren't planning to keep him long term. You're like, okay, well, you could probably flip him when when he starts to rebound. You flip him, and you're only eating some of that contract, and you're going to bring back. No, they were not willing to pick up that contract. Nope. They had a, an abuser on their team and they were like, well, we already paid him some money. So he's pitching for us. They didn't care about the backlash. They didn't care about anything. It's, it just came down to uh, the fact that they didn't want to spend that money. Yep. And Don't you love this city? It's it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. And the Cubs have the opportunity, I think, and the willingness to do something different. Nothing to the tune of what the Yankees have historically done or what the Dodgers are currently doing. <clears throat> but to the tune of that next tier down, the Red Sox, the Giants. Um, and... And so I, I think they're willing to spend and and we'll see if they do, because there's still quite a few of the top 20 free agents, quite a few of them still remaining. Mm-hmm. And some of them are going to be guys that fit what you want to do. So um, the, you go into this and, and you're like, okay, I, I still feel good because the Cubs at least made a huge splash with their managerial hire. They threw all the money at him. Nobody saw it coming and boom, there it was. And you don't spend that kind of money on Craig council and, and burn that bridge with your current, uh, your, your, you know, the manager you had in place for no reason is, is you're going to try to win. And so there's, there's precedent there of what they're going to try to do. And the White Sox just don't have that. They hire, they hired a cheap manager, a cheap GM and cheap contracts. And they're going to be like, well, we're spending millions of dollars. These guys should just win. And that's, that's not what's happening because it's not, it's not money being spent in earnest. Nope. And it segues into the the Bulls. Is I'm gonna stop ragging so much on Zach Levine because they're like, well, we paid a guy. Why aren't they winning? It's um they've they've gotta they've gotta put a whole roster in place and spend what the good teams are spending. And they're just not doing that. Like the teams that aren't spending to the the super high level of the elite teams either have somebody that's on a rookie deal that they're paying less or, uh, or they're got, they've got some overachievers and uh, you know, the bulls sure they're spending a lot of money, but they're not spending the amount of money that other teams are spending. And Zach Levine, you put him on an island and you're like, okay, win us basketball games. And and they've put him in an awkward situation where they 
don't have another superstar. I mean, they've got they've got an aging superstar, but um, they don't have another superstar, like an active current prime superstar. You've got a decent center that you're paying a lot of money to, and you've got an aging superstar, and then you've got a young guy that's a hell of a scorer, and you got to spend some money, got to go into that luxury tax to uh, to pay. And the fact is that, you know, even if you go into this luxury tax, who cares? Do you know how much money the Bulls make? You know how profitable that team is? Yeah, but uh, does Jerry care? No. Nope. He does not. The revenue of the Chicago Bulls franchise in the 2021-22 season was $372 million. Wow. You're one of the biggest brands in sports still, thanks to Jordan. Yeah. And here we are, Chicago sports fans, paying premium prices for this shit. Yep. Unreal. The uh yeah, so you're you're making money. You're making a lot of money, and you're you're not reinvesting it into your your product on the on the court. No. It's just gross. We're all sick of it. Yeah. And, and there's there's nothing we can do and it feels helpless because the Bulls are either going to play decently down the stretch and maybe play for a playing tournament or finishes like the 11th seed or the 12th seed. And you you've played a couple games since um since Zach has returned and he's come off the bench working his way back in. And they've won. They've won their last two games. Tonight they won in overtime. Um, but okay, maybe maybe this they're able to continue winning even with Zach Levine. Maybe the this turnabout that they had when he got hurt wasn't so much about him, but the style of what they're trying to do, and they're able to ease him back into the, into what they're doing, but they're, they're, they're playing much better basketball. And the thing is, is like they, they were underperforming. The talent on this team is not bare. It's just not, it's not enough to be contenders for the, uh, the NBA or the NBA title, but it's, it's, it should be plenty to get you in the playoffs and at least be competitive Mm-hmm. And it, it, they weren't playing that way. And, you know, you look and you're like, okay, well, they're, they're right in there in that playoff tournament uh, range, but they, they still should be, um, they still should be playing better based on the, the talent that they have on this team. You know, I don't shit on this team because they're, they're talentless. I shit on this team because they're not playing to their potential. The coaching ha- staff has issues and the ownership won't pony up money. 
So right now they are they're tied for ninth with the Nets. And there's several games behind the Heat at the eighth seed. Um so just that purgatory range. Yeah. I mean, really, they should be better. They should be they should be right there the six seven seed range. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, um you know, it's once you move above the Bulls slash Nets, the Heat have 20 wins, Pacers have 20 wins, Knicks have 21, Cavs 21, Magic 21, Sixers 23. So there's three games separating seeds three through eight. Yep. Yeesh. It's, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta, string together a few wins here and there. And I'm not saying you got to go on some like 10 game winning streak, but you got to start going on three, four game winning streaks, then lose one and then come back and, and go on a, you know, win two or three, and then maybe lose one. You've got to start winning at a two out of three clip to catch back up here. Yeah. You take an advantage of a banged up bad Charlotte team, but uh, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter because those teams are on your schedule. You, you know, doesn't right. matter if they're banged up. Doesn't matter if they're bad. It's you've got to win, um, and that's that's just the fact of it. You, you've got to win these games that you're that are on your schedule. You know, it goes the same with every team. Is you don't make your schedule, so. Uh, what, what are you going to do to, to take advantage? And, you know, you got the Rockets, then you got Golden State. Um, and then the next game is. That game, that game against Golden State, is that at home or in California? That is uh, at the United Center. Okay. Um. And then you go to San Antonio. You you got to win. You've got to win that game at San Antonio. You have to. Mm-hmm. That team's a bad team. Yep. Um, yeah. Even with Wemby, the, the, the team itself is is not Wem- good. Wemby is is very good, but he, that team is not very good. No, you beat him once already, but you got to beat him again. Yeah. So you've got to look at those. Um, the Rockets. The Rockets are on par with you. They're a few games better than you, but that's a game you're like, oh, that's a statement game. You, you know, you got, is that in get... Houston or is that the United center? Uh, that one is at the United center. Okay. So, yeah. so you got home court. Yeah. Um, and then, then Cleveland, which will be a tough one, Toronto, a tough one. So you've got to, you've got to be able to, to pull some of these wins here. Mm-hmm. Oh, John Morant will undergo season-ending shoulder surgery. Oof. Oof. Tough. Well, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Nope. I think I've said my piece. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. I want to thank everybody so much for listening. Please hit subscribe however you listen to 
uh, podcast, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, Spotify, etc. Share this podcast with your friends. That's how we grow the show. Follow us on social media at Swirsky Sports, Facebook.com slash Swirsky Sports, SwirskySports.com, or ShyFanPat2 for Alex on Twitter, or AlexanderJPatCreative.com for all the cool stuff that Alex does. And again, thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time, fire Luke Getze and bear down. <laughs> Cubs win! What a lucky break! The good Lord wants the Cubs to win! We thank Dick and God for all they have provided. Cubs win! Cubs win! Cubs win! Oh, I don't want her. You can have her. She's a Packer fan. She can't fit in my van. And she looks like number New Yorkers. Smoking crack is not legal on planes. Bears, 31, the negative 7. The Bears. Oh, when the Bears go bearing.